Welcome to the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of Brian, your host, and his guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested. So please, consume at your own risk. Now, here's Brian. Ladies and gentlemen, cats and dogs, friends and foes, welcome back to another episode of the show. As Pride Month 2023 is long in the rearview mirror, I have on the show with me today a good friend since high school, Jacob Mayer. Jay is a middle-aged gay man who no longer embraces what Pride has morphed into over the last 10 to 15 years. Anyway, Jay, welcome to the program, sir. Well, thank you for having me. And... And I'm having you here. Oh, my my silly dog's going off because you're you're a a gay man who hates Pride Month. And I was thinking of some kind of analogy before having you on. And it's like you're like the elf that doesn't like Christmas. So how does that work? <laughs> you're, I mean, you're you're in this you're in this group, this camp. Shouldn't you think? Shouldn't there be a certain way you have to think? Tell me why. Uh, tell me why Pride Month bugs you so much i think hate's a strong word um it takes a lot of energy to hate something so i don't i don't think i hate it um it doesn't appeal to me and it hasn't for a long time uh, my first experience at pride was probably 22 or 23 years old in west hollywood in los angeles um back then it was a day it wasn't a week or a month you know it might might have been two days but it wasn't uh what it is now it, it the other thing too is that I've always felt it showcased some of people's worst instincts, your your baser instincts. And when you're younger, you kind of don't really play into that, but you start thinking about it when you get a little bit older. And it's to me, it's turned into a freak show. To just use a, a very blunt term, it's it it celebrates the most deviant among us, as opposed to the the everyman. And there's a lot of us out there. And we may not all be one political viewpoint or another, but we don't necessarily subscribe to some of the craziness that goes on when you get into that. And it's turned into me um, this kind of it's turned into kind of this opportunity for corporations to virtue signal because you'll watch every corporate logo turn, you know, pride flag colors. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the pandering commercials come out on TV or on streaming services. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we've got so and so here who's whatever that's what and and then you've got uh, just the fact that the media then will seize on the most outlandish things that happen at a particular pride event somewhere and that's what gets broadcast to everyone and it becomes this thing of you're all like that mm, not this guy never have been never will be you know so yeah you become oh you it, them gays, them gays are taking over. Yeah. That mentality happens, and and uh, the media will glom onto you, like you say, some sensational extreme, and put it out there like it's happening everywhere, like the whole the chant that that went viral about "We're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children." I don't think that's really a, I don't think that's really true, but conservative media grabs it. 
And then conservatives start freaking out, thinking that all them gays are coming from my kids. And I don't know if conservatives sound like that, but I like to do the accent. <laughs> well, I think, um, too, is that you, you get this idea that you get, you get people who base their entire identity on who they sleep with. And I don't understand that. Um, to me, I'm, you know, more or less a blue collar kind of guy. I mean, I, I do a job in engineering, but I've always kind of worked with my hands a lot. And, um, you know, I'm a car guy. I like to go hiking, camping, um, you know, photography is a passion, but I don't go, you know, I, I don't go in for all of the other things that go along with it. You won't find 47 rainbow photos on my Facebook profile. You won't find, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it's just, to me, it's, it's this big a piece of me. You know, it's, it's a slice, but it's not who I am. It, it doesn't define me. Your character should define the whole Martin Luther King content of character. I don't know if we've lost it, but it seems like we're in some factions of our society. We are losing the fact that that's what matters. How you treat others, that's what matters. Not like you say, not what faith you were, religion you are, what color you are, what orientation any whatever all these things that don't yes they i guess like you say they're part of you but they're not paramount to your character right and you know i i i like to think that my character is good that i that i reflect well to people when they see me or meet me my husband tony will tell you that people either love me or they want to knock my block off after they meet me for a little bit um um recently added buddy here jake kind of we've, we've talked about the fact that we're both kind of have that mentality where we can be jerks but for some reason between the two of us it works because we're both cutting up on the same stuff so and that's just you that has nothing to do with you being gay right that's just my personality well you you can't be a card carrying member of the group if you don't think like them come on now you're messing up the whole system <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's where I'm trying to, I'm sort of mocking this yeah. group, group think that we, we apply to, you know, like my guest, Adam Coleman, who wrote the book, black victim and the black victor. He's like, I, I don't, I don't think and speak for the black community. I don't even know what that is. I being part of the Mormon culture, I don't speak for them. They don't speak for me, but we do that. We put, oh, this group, you, you're, you're in that category. You know, the othering of others that we do yeah and i think you know individuality is the hardest thing to control right if if people act as individuals think as individuals that makes them extraordinarily hard to govern and the idea that and then that's and that's not just government that could be corporate governance of people who work for the corporation they want you to conform to a particular set of standards and beliefs when you work for xyz company and individuals as, from a government perspective are impossible to govern. And that was kind of what our founders wanted, I think, was they wanted people who were difficult to govern. They wanted you to keep the government in check, but government wants people who think alike because when you, if you get them to think alike, then you can put out a single message and you can get them to follow that message and get them to do what you want them to do by manipulation. And you know, there, were, there was a philosopher who, who said, and I can't recall his name, but he said that, you know, a, a community of, of individual thinkers 
and he, I think he used the term libertarians in there too, will tolerate a groupthink or socialist minority. But the opposite is not true. There is no uh, groupthink or socialist community that will tolerate an independent thinking minority because they pose a threat to the to the whole. To the collective, yeah. And you can see movies that are kind of like that. What was the what was the one, the M. Night Shyamalan one where they're they they think that they're inside this compound away from all these monsters and it turns out it's just the town outside. Oh, I don't I don't know that film. What's yeah, it, 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 it was an M. Night Shyamalan was the director of it. I can't recall the name of it. Uh uh Joaquin Phoenix is in it. But the whole premise is that they're in this little like house and they're being menaced by all these monsters outside that want to like take them. And then eventually something happens and they have to work up the courage to like step outside the fence and they walk outside the fence and it's just main street America. It's like the Truman show. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. In, in, yep. But in a, in a much darker yeah. perspective. Afraid of something that wasn't even real. Yeah. But they'd been told it was real. And if that's all, you know, then that's all, you know. Yeah. And why would, I mean, I, I was raised very conservative part of Northern California. And you mm -hmm. spent a lot of years there as well. I thought every idea that came from the left was from the devil. And it wasn't because someone said that, but that was just what was pounded into my brain for most of my life. And then I willingly consumed nothing but stuff from that camp for 20 plus years. And it just made me mad. I was just frustrated all the time. Couldn't do anything about it. Didn't want to get into discussions with people that were more eloquent than me that were on the other side because I, I didn't think I could win because that was my mentality. I got to win. Mm -hmm. Since I've stepped out of that and come towards the more of the middle thinking, wait, I'm just realizing that, oh, I, I might, that might not be the best idea. Maybe there's a different perspective that could be just as good. I don't know. It, it's an interesting yeah, I mean, I I think that I've got a similar you know upbringing to what you had. You know, my dad was and mom were both very staunchly conservative. Um, you know, don't know that either one of them ever voted for a Democrat ever in their lives. Um, and I think, yeah, you you come out of childhood with some of those beliefs. Either either you sometimes you totally reject it and you go the one hundred percent the opposite way, or you you parrot it for a while until you begin to start getting your own experiences and you start figuring out then maybe the world isn't quite what you thought it was. Um, and I've definitely, over the last, let me back up. I would say that I'm not, I'm not religiously conservative because I wasn't brought up in that kind of a household, but I was raised with conservative principles of you take responsibility, you pay your own way, you take care of yourself, you do these things, you, know, you don't burden other people, you know, you don't do anything that harms somebody else, you know, and that has over time, especially the last 10 or 12 years, has morphed into a more libertarian belief set where I tend to want to be left alone and I want to leave you alone. And as long as we're not hurting each other, I really don't care what you do. I, 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 there are some areas where I, I draw lines on that and I, and I still struggle with them, you know, where I see people who are, who are uh, engaging in harmful behaviors. And you, and you want to, as a person who's got compassion and who cares about people, you want to stop them from doing that. You don't necessarily want to restrain them or something like that, but you want to like 
figure out a way to help them not do those things, whether present it's drug user mutilation. Present a better way and have them choose it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what people have to do. They have to choose to fix themselves. You can't fix them nope. for them. So what do you, in terms of the pride month, since that's, since that's our topic, what do you wish it would be? Would you wish it would go away completely or, or just maybe not devote so much energy and effort to something that in your kind of opinion, doesn't matter that all, all matter all that much. I don't know. I, I think, I think first of all, that political movements have a tendency to morph and or metastasize into other things. And let's, you know, gay pride started out as a commemoration of what happened at Stonewall back in 1969. And people can argue about that. And I, I'll tell you a little story about that one if you want to, if you want to hear it, but you, you can argue about those things. But ultimately that was the response, right? It was kind of like women burning their bra in the sixties. It was the idea that we are protesting the way we're treated that, you know, we can't do this. We can't do that. Um, and that's where gay pride started out. It started out as a, as an equal rights movement. Yeah. Noble, and, noble, noble beginnings for sure. Yeah. And I think, um, listening to some people who, who were around, you know, further back than I was for that process, um, the idea that we get thrust into this ever-growing group, um, you know, there's a couple of good discussions out there of, of, you know, how lesbians and gay men didn't have a lot in common back in the 60s. Lesbians dealt with uh, a lot of uh, not only sexual violence, but workplace misogyny or misogyny in the home and, and the fact that they were gay and same-sex attracted. And then men... <laughs> Gay men, all the gay men I've known, or a lot of them, and much fewer of the gay women, were more about the uh, easy sex, the partying, the drugs, the having a good time, the going out to the bars, um, things like that. And so somehow, you know, those two got lumped together, um, and then Bi got grafted onto that, and now we've added the T. And we keep going with this. And it's like we keep adding things that are not like the other. You know, oh, and you're lump, lumping all the different things into one group and calling them the same. Yeah, because it's it's become what I like to term the alphabet mafia. It's just yeah. turned into this group of people that if you do not subscribe to everything they say, then you are somehow the enemy, you're a hater, you're whatever. Do you think that's a small percentage, like a vocal minority? Because because again, the 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 discussions I hear, I'm, you know, I'm in Utah, I'm a very conservative state, and I hear all these discussions all the time about how the the, the alphabet people, they're just taking over and they're everywhere, but are they, or is it a very small minority that the media is highlighting? I think it's a mix. I think you have, yes, the media is highlighting it, right? They're, they're the cause celeb, you know, this last couple of years. Um, corporations are really digging into it with a lot of the, the DEI stuff that they're doing. Um there's the people that are making the most noise are the ones who are most agitated by it. But you have people that I think are looking for a way to pro proclaim their outrage. Um, and to tell you that quick story that I alluded to a minute ago, um, a couple of friends and I have a, have a group that we host that we do like a monthly coffee or a monthly cocktail party. 
And it's just, it's just a get together. It's a hangout. You know, it's, it's not going to the bar. It's not going to whatever. It's just come over, hang out, have some snacks, talk and whatever. I think they call this a friend gathering. Yes. Weird. And we kind of expanded it into, you know, it became a Facebook group and it became a, you know, a, you could join the group and then you could be invited to the events. And was having, we were having a cocktail event back in August and unbeknownst to me, I didn't catch it. Facebook now creates a, uh, a group chat every time you create an event. So it's like, there's a group chat out there that I didn't realize was there. And suddenly I see this comment come in from somebody who I was apparently friends with on Facebook, but had never really met or talked to that much. And I had posted a meme and it basically had the, like a black square with LGBTQIA plus whatnot on it but it had a scissor cutting off the TQIA from the LGBT or the LGB. Sorry. So it was basically separating. I, think I, saw, that. I saw that. I think I saw that. And this guy screen captured that and then threw it into the group chat and said, I think everybody should know that the, that the guy who runs this group is anti-trans and goes into this rant and I'm not going to go to that event. And then somebody else chimes in and said the same thing. And I shut down the chat, booted both of them out of the group. And then I messaged the guy who started it. And I said, neither one of you has ever been to an event, A, so you don't know anything. So I'm not too concerned if you don't come to this one. And then I said, if you bothered to ask me what I meant by that, we could have had a conversation about it. I said, but no, you wanted to prove that you were better than me. You wanted to be, you wanted to, you wanted to exclaim your outrage to everyone who was there. You wanted to get and you wanted to get good feels out of it. And you wanted to prove that you were somehow morally superior to me. And I said, that doesn't wash with me. And I said, if you want to have a conversation, we can. Surprisingly to me, he a couple hours later messaged me back. We had about a day and a half long back and forth text chat on Messenger. And we never changed each other's minds, but we had enough of a discussion that we came to the idea that we could understand each other's viewpoints and not hate on each other. That's I was we, shocked. That's <laughs> what we've forgotten how to do because we don't, we, it's hard. That takes a lot of effort to, I think we get into this mindset that if I engage the enemy, then I support the enemy, that mentality instead of like, no, I, I just, because I want to understand, like, for example, I had my cousin on last year, right after the Roe v. Wade decision came down and, and she is totally for Roe v. Wade. And so, you know, Everyone was like, yeah, this is the greatest thing in the world since they overturned this. And she was just crushed. And I mean, I asked her to come on and I said, I want your perspective. And she, she couldn't even do it for a couple weeks because she was so emotionally distraught about it. And while I've been in the, yeah, I'm not really for abortion. Seems very wrong to me. I wanted to know why she was so upset about it. And we had a phenomenal discussion just because I, she was interested in what my perspective was, and I was interested in hers. And I, we don't engage with the you know, quote unquote other side enough to understand each other. But because then there was a human element to it. Whereas if we had had this discussion online, it's easy to jab and be rude and poke fun because they're not in front of you and the, the human aspect is missing. And even a lot of her friends were like, well, that was a great discussion. Yeah, it's because we just were interested in each other. And I think as a basis we should do more of that yeah i i um couldn't agree with you more i don't think that 
people are frequently afraid to engage with a differing viewpoint, either because they're not confident in their own views enough, and therefore they're worried that they could waver, or they've been conditioned, probably more often on, I would say, on the left politically, that they that that person's views aren't even worth engaging. Why why would you talk to that bigot, that homophobe, that transphobe, that whatever the yeah, hell it is? I don't need to know what you think because I hate you already. You know, I can go out and say the very same things that that Thomas Sowell says, and I'll be called a racist. But Thomas Sowell is a black man who spent the last, you know, 73 years of his life studying economics and demographics and the, yeah. the racial disparities and the effects of social programs on people in America, not just black people. And the guy is one of the most brilliant people you'll ever listen to or read. Yes. You know, but he is he is considered to be, you know, Uncle Tom or something because he happens to be a black man who doesn't toe the line. Yes. And that's yeah, he's not thinking like the group's supposed to think, which is that's dangerous. And I I know it's just it's human nature to do that. It's tribalism, which has been going on since the beginning of time. But I think all of us can try harder to to not just dismiss someone else. Yeah. I, I I'm willing to engage with just about anybody that can have a discussion with me without, you know, calling me names. If you attack me personally, it's pretty much over. You know, and well, I'll, and I'll, when you do that, you don't have any argument. Right. If you start name calling, even I hated, like I, I didn't rush Limbaugh. We'll pull him out as an example. I didn't mind the stuff he talked about. I, I thought he was fairly accurate, but he was a name caller. And Hannity was just a name caller. All these guys just started name calling. When you start doing that, you lose it for me. It's like you, you're the libs, the Dems, the, the, the right wing, the, the crazies, the QAnons. Just no. Don't do that. Yeah, sometimes part of the shtick. You know, I, I used to, when I lived in Arizona, um, had a really good friend who's a couple years younger than me who is also leans to the conservatarian side of things, kind of the term I like to use for it. I like that, conservatarian. Interesting. So, you know, we, we, I think we take a little bit of a mix, you know, and I think it's because neither one of us uh, – heels over to the religious right to that kind of that that particular aspect of conservatism but we believe in the fiscal responsibility the small government the personal responsibility all those other things that you know go along with it and we used to go to starbucks on sunday morning for coffee like every week religiously we'd be like yeah religiously uh, <laughs> so my religion was a uh mocha no um hey we all we our were, own gods that was that was the sacrament was the was the coffee um but no, we would we would have a group of guys that would meet up, and it was a bunch of gay men, anywhere from probably their late twenties to forties or fifties, you know. And it was, and I think John and I were the only two guys, at least that anybody else knew, were not left. And these guys would get rolling on a political conversation, and they would glance over at us, and John and I would just kind of give each other the eye roll and just let it keep on going because we we're just like we're not we're not going to engage in this thing and have it become a pile on of you know of, of 10 on two or whatever so yeah and that's kind of the way i think of you know, that is that group mentality and and people fall into that and they want to be accepted everybody wants to be accepted everybody wants to be liked and if your group all thinks one way and they hate people who don't think that way well what are you going to do either you have the courage to maintain your independence and say well if you guys can't take me the way i am then see ya you cave you know 
And having having principles is one of the hardest things in the world to do. You go with the anybody, anybody can go with the wind, but not everybody can can have half a dozen principles that they can articulate and that they can apply fairly. You know, if if you are calling out politician with a D next to his name because he did something that is that is immoral or unconstitutional or something like that, you better be able to call out the politician with the R next to his name who did the same damn thing and vice yeah. versa. Be fair. Be fair with your love and hate. You, you have to have a consistent standard. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's if you're principle-based. Yes. But if you're just ideologically driven, then then it does everything that the R's do is the dip from the devil and everything that the D's do is from the devil. And then the cycle just continues. And then those in power continue to win because we're too busy fighting amongst each other over stupid crap. Yeah. And it, it, it is difficult because you, you find yourself, your instinct might be on something that you agree with or someone or someone you agree with to rationalize something that happened to kind of make yourself feel better because you don't want to really apply the same standard you applied to the other side. And then that makes you stop and you have to struggle with, okay, what is my consistent position here? And that's the, that's the hard part of it is getting back to that thought. Yeah. I was recently, once they called to the carpet, but I did an interview with, with Adam Coleman recently about, he wrote an article about when, when Biden made the comment that when he made the comment a few years ago, when he was on a podcast with Charlemagne the God, and he says, "If you don't vote for me, you ain't black." If you don't, yeah, if you don't know whether to who to vote, vote for, you ain't black. You, yep. Yeah, you ain't black, which was you know really dumb and racist. And so that was that was why I had him on because I wanted to talk about you know just it's, again it's that group thinking and like oh you didn't you you can't vote this way because you're X Y or Z you know put whatever label you are and a and a, a liberal online friend of mine said where's all your 10 art 10 10 episodes about trump being a dumbass and saying racist horrible things which was fair i guess but i'm not going to do 10 episodes on it but yeah i should have someone on that that hates trump and calls out some of the dumb things he does you know so it's 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 fair and i try to be as balanced as i can but i guess i you know it could come across as like cherry pick the stories but that was just an interesting article he wrote and i wanted to talk about it but but it was a fair point. Yeah, but you know you can't you you know you can't have everybody on right. You can't you can't hit every story. And obviously, I've listened to enough of your shows over the years that I know that somebody has to intrigue you for some reason for you to ask them to come on your podcast. Either they have to have done something, written something, said something that caught your attention, whether yeah. it was what Mar Marshall or. Um, Anybody. It's just, I mean, Marshall's the one that always sticks in my head because I think he's just such an articulate, smart guy, you know, that I just, it just kind of floors me that he ended up where he did. You know, it's just one of those things where you just, you, yeah, you're like going, how did that happen? You know, yeah, and then it, you, you were smarter. Yeah. And you listen to his story and you go, okay, I, I can understand how this happened and I can understand what he went through, you know, and that's what I think makes your podcast compelling is that there's, you know, ones that really do grab you grab your attention you know well, thank uh, you i appreciate the plug yeah sorry i mean <laughs> well it was um uh the story about connor that i listened to yesterday my god that's one of that's one of the oh, most heart-wrenching stories i've ever heard yeah that i miss his son who died while trying yep. to save his dog yeah yeah no i can't imagine yeah but i, pr I appreciate the uh 
the plug. So my, I, I might have 13 fans worldwide now. So I'm, <laughs> hey, we'll make that one double digits, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, cool. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you were willing to come on and, and share your perspective on this, uh, about the, you know, the, the pride and, you know, cause you are an independent thinker and it doesn't make sense. And your reasons for it not making sense, makes sense. If that makes sense. <laughs> the two of us sitting here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, well, we could go on and on about politics and just, you know, but not politics in a dumb way, but politics in like a wise way. Like, Hey, we can, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot of people in these camps that, you know, we don't need to be nice. We need to stand up for our side. We're in a war, damn it. And pick a side. And, and I'm just, I just don't believe that. I just don't think, I think you can be, middle of the road and you're thinking generally and, and uh, to me it, it, it i feel so much better at least being interested in another perspective yeah i have my perspectives but those are my perspective perspectives today and maybe they'll change in fact i'm working on a book with my brother marvin I'm, it's, i don't know where, i don't know what the title is but it's basically about being on the fence and it's okay it's 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 a comfortable seat and you can still be engaged while, mm -hmm. not, while not getting down in the muck and the fighting. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. And I, I think and I think you can still be on either side of you can you can be in the the further right or further left camp without being uh, at war with people. I think yeah. you can and I you know I struggle to sometimes put myself in check and to hold my tongue. You know, my tongue has cost me a job or two here and there, you know, um, and it, it, uh, sometimes you, you need to remind yourself that being kind to somebody and asking a question or trying to understand them doesn't hurt you. It doesn't cost you anything. No. And it's, it's really easy, especially in the keyboard warrior era to be able to just type out something pithy or snarky and, and. You know, sometimes I'll do that, but there's other times when you when you see somebody and you and you want to like maybe ask a question to provoke maybe a thought in them, or you, you try to 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 phrase your your point you're trying to make in a way that doesn't make it confrontational or doesn't make it hostile and and respects the fact that yeah, people do have different viewpoints and if we can't learn to talk to each other and understand each other, where the hell are we going to be? I mean, we're already so far down the road of, of entrenched tribalism and hatred that like, what, what do you do sometimes? I sit, sit back and kind of wonder, how do we pull back from this? Well, you, COVID was a huge pulling back the curtain and revealing who we really are. Honestly, the vitriol, and I, I compared it to, you know, Dr. Seuss, the Sneetches, Sneetches on the Beaches, you know, that story from 50 years ago. Oh boy. Barely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go look it up. It's a 10 minute little cartoon and it's, it is prophetic to our day about how those who got the vaccine were pissed at those who didn't. And those who didn't were pissed at those who did and thought they were sheep instead of lot, you know, the whole, and we, we were just, destroying and then ratting on people for being out of their home all the things you saw just really exposed who people i think really are and that's that was kind of disturbing 
That was, a, it, that was I think, one of the biggest eye-openers for that whole time. Yeah, it exposed this huge authoritarian streak in a lot of people. And people think that authoritarianism is always coming from the right. And i that's not what from, I saw. It comes from both. It, I think it does. Power, to power doesn't know a side. True. But what I've noticed, you know, in the last, you know, I've, I've been paying attention to politics probably since the 80s, I guess, when I was, you know, 18 thereabouts. And it, it seems like the people who used to be liberal, which meant, used to, it used to mean libertarian. It used to mean that I was very open to anything you wanted to do suddenly and and that new ideas were great and that those in power should always be questioned you remember back in the mm -hmm. back in the 60s it was don't trust anyone over the age of 30 and it was you know you know screw the man and whatever else it was all this stuff about anti-authoritarianism and now look who the authoritarians were when same COVID. people that were saying that exactly they, they're the ones in the seats of power now and, and yeah you're right maybe it's the power that corrupts or it's the fact that they wanted more control but it seems like that liberalism is no longer liberal it's it's anything but the definition has definitely changed yeah for sure so they wander off on politics all night that's right <laughs> i don't want to do that <laughs> it's okay it's a good it's a good discussion but well thank you man i appreciate you uh sharing your thoughts about this it's been fun you're very i've always respected you, at least your your written communication you're, you're very articulate in how you you know explain yourself and that to me, I, I try to be more like that, you know, and I, I've matured a lot in, in that respect because uh, I used to just not even get into d discussions because I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to win and I don't care about winning. It's just trying to articulate your idea and not being an asshole about it. Right. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to The Parish The Thought Show. We know you have many podcast options and appreciate that you have chosen us. If you love what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. And don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. If you hate what you hear, only tell us. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from The Parish the Thought Show.